0: The actors are on strike, Disney CEO makes some missteps, Emmy nominations hit the news, and the box office finally heats up. That news and more awaits you after this. Welcome to Multiverse News, your source for news about all your favorite fictional universes. My name is Matthew Carroll, and with me today we have Haley Hobbs from Source Pages. What's up, Haley Hobbs?
1: Nothing much, just trying not to die in the heat here in the Midwest.
0: Oh my lord, wet bowl and all it. that. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy out there. Uh, Sarah Day McDougal from Peeves Gab Fest. What's going on, Sarah Day?
2: Hello. I'm so excited to be here.
0: We are excited to have you your first time. And then the first returning guest, uh Ryan Does from Across the Bifrost, the Mighty Thor podcast. What's going on, Ryan? Nothing much, friends. I'm uh, ready to get into a lot of
3: industry news about strikes and stuff. So it should be be very fun and very lighthearted tonight. (laughs) Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. There's just like this whole like malaise of sadness over all the strike talks, like everything. Like it's just even if we're just talking about the industry news of the strikes, it just makes it feel like, but... All this means is we don't get any of our toys for a while. <laughs> you know, like it's very sad. It makes me very very sad.
1: <laughs> um I heard that UPS might strike, which is oh. even more disturbing maybe. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I need my Amazon packages. <laughs> yeah, that's rough.
0: That is rough. The supply line of like delivery vehicles and stuff like that's insanely essential now. And then we saw during the pandemic when stuff like that changes now, it's so ingrained. It's like, it's like toilet paper. All of a sudden there's no toilet paper. And it's just like, (laughs) they had to start like reformatting the way they were selling certain things. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. I I remember reading, I I say reading because I like to sound smart, but I listened to podcasts (laughs) where they talked all about uh, people who were Packaging food for restaurants, having to like change their entire factories around to package food for home delivery because it's mm. like like chicken manufacturers. It's just just crazy the way thinking about the way like yeah. some some small changes can happen. No one's going to restaurants, so that that chicken has to go somewhere and it's not packaged properly. So you have to redo the whole. It's it's wild. The world is wild and fragile. I'm scared. If you take one thing from this episode, the world is wild. <laughs> <laughs> That's right that's right uh well let's get into uh the news of the day and i feel like the top news we're already kind of talking about it for the first time Since 1980, the grind in Hollywood has come to a near halt as actors in the union SAG-AFTRA officially went on strike last week. The Screen Actors Guild and the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers could not come to an agreement on a contract by the deadline at midnight last Wednesday. Some of the key bargaining aspects are economic fairness. Highlighting what the union says are outdated contract terms coupled with the evolution of media business. The union wants increased compensation, the shoring up of funding for health care, retirement, and pension plans, as well as increased residuals. Artificial intelligence, uh, the union states that AI already provides a threat to their work as it can mimic their likenesses and performances and voices and are looking for protections that involve compensation and bargaining. Self-taped auditions, these, in the union statement, are unregulated and out of control. Uh, There is a desire to ensure fair access to work opportunities and protect performers against exploitation. Uh, do we think these talks will continue to drag on like the writer's strike has and what fates do these concurrent strikes spell out for the futures of our favorite fictional universes?
3: So I'm going to do my best, uh Jay Sisson impression and I'm going to try to sound really <laughs> smart with this. Uh, but there was a few things that when I was looking into just trying to become more educated about this, because I, I could probably just, you know, uh, look at a few different posts online and be like, yeah, you know what, here's my opinion on this, but I didn't really mm-hmm. have a, a strong opinion. So I wanted to go to what are actors saying? What are people within SAG-AFTRA saying? And I went and I listened to, uh, SAG president Fran Drescher. That's not a joke. Right. Uh, no, it's from very real. <laughs> like, it's very real. I, I went and listened to her, basically their declaration to strike And Fran made it very, very apparent that this is about labor. This is about the disparity between laborers and those that they are working for. It wasn't really so much a like, hey, we're movie stars that should get paid more. It it wasn't that at all. They were setting a precedent that what they do in this strike, along with the writers, is setting setting that precedent for a move into the world of labor even beyond their own industry so that was really interesting to hear hmm. her take on that and basically the the heart behind the reason why they're doing this and setting that standard there was another statement that I I listened to uh, actor Sean Gunn was on CBS mm-hmm. morning a few mo- a mornings ago and he was interviewed about you know hey why are why are, why is this happening and he had made a very uh, poignant uh, statement about s- streaming giants like Netflix. He specifically picked on Netflix in this interview, not being not being willing to be transparent with their numbers. And that was very, very uh, shady to him. It was very uh, disingenuous to him. And he used the term that they're screwing people like himself and not being accountable for their numbers. Uh, he was very, very... Uh, how do I say this? Uh, he was very sure to realize, you know, hey, we just want a percentage of what we're owed. If it's, if, uh, if a prop property or a project fails, then it fails and we fail with that project. But if it succeeds. That compensation needs to be at a fair ratio where shows like, you know, a few years back, Orange is the New Black was one of the biggest shows on Netflix, and some of those actors were still doing full-time side gigs when they were on that show. They weren't Mm. able to make a living off of one of the most successful shows that streaming service had ever seen. So, I mean, a lot of these fair points being brought up by the actors, I gravitated to. I love when the actors are stating why they're doing something and it's not just a bunch of talking heads talking about why they're doing what they're doing. So these two takes really um, helped inform me as to what's important for them, Uh, but it could greatly, obviously greatly affect the fictional universes
0: that you guys and we like to highlight on multiverse news your point about the idea that like this isn't just about the superstars uh there were three things there that, that they highlighted and like one of them is is self-taped auditions that's not about the superstars you know that yes superstars self-tape auditions but what they're talking about because of covid and everything they've kind of stopped doing rooms as much as they as they had with like uh people coming in to audition and they just got every, i I've been I've seen this talked about on other things where like but even before the strike we're just like People are expected to kind of have your own, almost like your own production space in your house or in your apartment, little bitty LA apartments where they're like doing little self taped auditions. And it's like a whole, it's like a grind of doing it all day and stuff. And people doing a bunch of them. And who knows if anyone's even looking at them. You know, it's like Mm this, this black hole of just sending your work that you're working on out into the world and like. Yeah, that's that 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 to me shows that they are caring about the little guy at least in these actor in this insag, not just like the AI and the financial stuff that could be the superstars, but like caring about self taped auditions is definitely like a thing for the little guy.
2: One thing I keep seeing talked about on Reddit, uh, speaking of the little guy, is that the AI thing is actually about the background actors. They mm. want to. Have the background actors come in, pay them for one day's worth of work to copy their likeness and even their voice and then never pay them again for use of their face and voice. And Mm. so that's one of the bigger like issues uh, uh, looking out for the little guy
3: doesn't that sound like the plot of like a terrible like villain in a movie it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna copy your likeness and we're gonna use it forever it sounds like iRobot almost black mirror Mm -hmm. is what something
1: else like a black mirror episode
3: right Mm -hmm.
1: this is such a um normal thing in a lot of workplaces where the work evolves but the compensation hasn't or the terms haven't and to me, and I've been saying this for weeks, I've been saying this since the writer's strike, that this is catching up to Hollywood tells me so much about the state of labor and pay and equity in this country right now, because this is happening in so many different other industries, and Hollywood's going to be a splashier one for sure to get the attention. And to me that it got to that level um, is just so indicative of the issue. And streaming happened and probably nobody thought twice about it. And certainly the studio execs aren't going to say anything. And then COVID hit. And if we remember um, Scarlett Johansson's issue with Black Widow, when they tried right. to immediately put it on Disney plus and she said, excuse me, that was not my contract. That should have been like the first indicator that things mm-hmm. were going to spiral out of control. And uh, mm. yeah, I I think this could go on longer than initially. I was like, well, if the, the talent, you know, quote unquote, the talent, the stars are out. Maybe it'll speed things along, but I don't know. I mean, we're already almost to a week.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm all for, I, I'm play, playing devil's advocate a little bit here. I'm, I'm all for uh, uh, workers getting what they're, they're owed and studios not, contr- studios not exploiting people and like fairness and all that. But one of my concerns with this, these strikes is, and, and kind of strikes in general, uh, is I'm not, I'm not one to believe there's exactly a fair thing. Like it's, it's going to always just be what the two people can come to terms with, you know? Um, and the thing about media that scares me is I do think there's a bit of a shrinking pie happening right now. Um, and I, I mentioned something like this a few weeks ago, but I see like, Speaking of Netflix not paying Orange Is the New Black, like car- characters, that's terrible. That is terrible. That was their that was their flagship show. But the thing about Netflix, their whole model was predicated on them throwing as much spaghetti against the, against the wall and seeing what was going to stick. So they're right. paying for hundreds and hundreds of shows, and then that one did well, right? Like, and that's the thing. So like, but that model is not sustainable. Netflix has never mm-hmm. been profitable. See, it's a tech company thing to not be profitable for years. You know what I mean? Like you never figure out how a business works. When real like, you know, small businesses start, you have to figure out how the business makes money and then you scale it. And the tech thing works backwards. You scale it and then you figure out how to make money later. Like we got all the eyeballs on us. Now what do we do to make them pay us? You know, like that's like the (laughs) whole thing. And, And you just keep getting VC money pumped into these things. So like No one's really making The thing isn't profitable. No one's making money. And so it's this weird, like, I kind of think the industry is hitting this wall of, like, there's not enough money to go around for the amount of projects they have. And I think that these strikes are going to lead to a little bit of a, like, a, a reduction in the amount of work that's going around. I think probably some of these streamers... Uh, we, 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 we even some of the bigger guys. We've talked about how Marvel's talking about cutting back their slate some and doing less. I'm, my hope is that if there is a reduction in that, like if we just see a scaling back in the amount of content, we see a improvement of the quality. It, it mm-hmm. gets refined down to the better stuff. But I don't know that I trust uh, <laughs> the industry for that to happen. It's probably going to be more like lowest common denominator. Uh, they put the money where they think the money is. You know, I don't know. Next up. Now, all that sadness. Let's hear about the acclaims that are going on. Uh, (laughs) Emmy nominations have been formally announced, and several shows are big winners, including Wednesday uh, with 12, Barry with 11, Beef with 13, Dahmer with 13, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel with 14, The Bear with 13, The White Lotus with 23, Ted Lasso with 21, The Last of Us with 24, and Succession with 27 many shows from the geek world are also represented uh including andor miss marvel ring of power rings of power excuse me uh obi-wan kenobi and more who's surprised by the slate of nominations this year
2: this might be the first time i'm extremely excited about the emmys there's so many good things out right now um and My guilty pleasure is Love is Blind on Netflix, so I was super (laughs) excited to see them nominated. But, I mean, some of these I've seen, obviously, some of them I haven't. Like, Succession, I have got to go watch this section. I mean, I'm seeing that everywhere. But Succession and The White Lotus are 50-50 for supporting actor in a drama and guest actor in a drama, which was wild to see that. I was really surprised to see The Bear as a comedy because that show gives me so much anxiety. (laughs) Um, (laughs) If I'm thinking of the right one. (laughs) Um, And then obviously my vote is for Ted Lasso. I hope that they take a lot of Emmys because, That show, I'm not a comedy person, but that show literally makes me laugh out loud. It has so much heart. I've cried during that show. I've laughed during that show. The acting is phenomenal. The writing is phenomenal. So I really hope to see them take a majority of those 21
1: nominations. Mm. Yeah, this is a real hard pivot from the strike to all of the award nominations, <laughs> right, right. Right. but it's, it's newsworthy. and Excited to bring the conversation back to a happy place. Yeah. And it, um, yeah, before we take it to a not happy place. But it is <laughs> cool what? to see the breadth of shows that are being nominated. It's not just one genre and it's not just one tone. This is kind of all over the board and we're getting a lot of really quality content, both in the geek-verse and- regular world as i like to call it i guess um and i think that that's awesome and i think obi-wan kenobi got like 20 plus nominations like these shows are stacking them up hardcore so Mm -hmm. i love to see all the hard work that goes into these programs get this kind of recognition
3: one thing that jumped out to me it's not it's not the series stuff because i I feel like a lot of times the emmys it's like oh it's the series stuff you know what massive hit does hbo have right now like right now it's succession Mm -hmm. and they're gonna like probably rake up so many awards there was one category that i really wanted to just focus in on because i didn't feel like it was gonna get mentioned uh it was the the tv movie or the limited series yeah was there's some outstanding movies uh that like weird the weird al yankovic uh story was fantastic Mm. it was meta and daniel radcliffe was incredible and uh the other move the movie that i hope wins outstanding tv movie was hulu's prey movie the, mm. the prequel predator movie mm-hmm. if you're a fan of alien predator darker sci-fi stuff and you haven't watched prey you need to watch that asap it is a fantastic movie and it should be it should win that category i think it's kind of it came out earlier this year, so it might be a little bit of a forgotten child amidst the you know the crowd of all the popular huge shows. But that's the one you should check out. And like Haley and I will probably never get tired of singing the praises of the marvelous Mrs. mazel I don't think it's their <laughs> year because there's so much other stuff coming. And um, this last season, no, maybe
1: cr- say that.
3: <laughs> I, here's the thing: my heart says I want Rachel Brosnahan to win any everything for the rest of time. <laughs> um, I, ugh, I don't know, but, um, but the miss, uh, Mrs. Maisel, uh, like wrapping in this many nominations for its final season and staying strong with nominations for mm-hmm. its whole run. Definitely a Testament to why I love that show and why I think if you haven't watched that show yet you should go check that out i mean there's a lot of shows on here that i haven't seen or watched that i'm incredibly interested in beef is one of those that i haven't seen that i really really want to see because ali Wong and steven yen are crazy good um but there's a lot to love here and i'm sure like this is just going to be a crazy star-studded emmy's
2: There's a lot on the list that I haven't seen, which is, I guess, good timing since we're not going to have a lot of content coming out, that I can go back and make sure that I watch all these things. Um, And I just have to say, I'm so embarrassed I didn't mention the Weird Al movie as the Harry Potter podcast host. Um, Daniel Radcliffe, you're right, was phenomenal in that. And that's another one that actually made me laugh. And I don't... Maybe I'm just turning into a comedy person now.
3: (laughs) Saturday, you're so right. Like Weird was... I didn't even know what to expect with that movie, and it over delivered on my no expectations. Like it was just, it was crazy how uh, the the way that movie ends. If you haven't seen Weird, the way that movie ends will have you like, "What what do we do now?" <laughs> like this is such a crazy way to end a movie, but definitely great,
0: great. You should check it out. I actually haven't seen the ending, which makes me feel weird now that you say it's Cause I, I watched about, <laughs> I think I watched about 75% of it with my niece. And then we just had to stop it for some reason. It wasn't that I wasn't enjoying it. We just didn't finish it. Uh, and then, uh, I got distracted a squirrel, whatever. And, uh, I, I got to go back to see how it ends. But the thing about Ted Lasso, yes, it's a comedy, but it also has tons of heart. And yeah. I wonder if like, uh, what, however that weird ending is, is like kind of, there, there's so many things that are good comedies, but if they have that complexity behind them, you don't have to be a comedy person to enjoy them. And it's like, it allows, I'm the same way. I'm just not, I like comedy. I love comedy, but I am not driven to watch something. If it's just funny, if something's just funny, I'm like, I, I kind of lose interest. I, I like, I don't have to turn on the next episode.
2: Yeah. I think that's, that's how I am. There's so many, like, I hate to say it. Cause I'm probably going to get a lot of hate, but stepbrothers <laughs> can't, I can't watch it. I'm <laughs> just like this. I, I know I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's just not funny to me. And like stuff like that, like Will Ferrell in general, I just can't watch his stuff except for Elf.
3: I knew you were going to say, except elf. Like, I just, I knew that was going to be the way that ended. <laughs> it's just so good. <laughs> it so good. It is so good. It's so
2: good. Zoe Deschanel, you know, she just.
3: So I'm assuming like, me. you're not a Adam Sandler, Seth Rogen uh, <laughs> fan either. Like-
2: um, Seth Rogen, I can do like Pineapple Express. I did like that one.
1: I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You are allowed to like what you like, Sarah Day. <laughs> Art <Yeah>. is subjective.
0: <laughs> I'm just getting this like triangulation of your taste. Is it? It's it's interesting to triangulate someone's taste like that. Like, like uh, Ryan's really like. Okay, wait. Okay, so you don't like this. What about coming in from the drug side? Do you like the drug movie? Um, hot yeah, uh, humor
3: maybe. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> the intersection of Sarah Day is like. Christmas Will Ferrell mixed with drug Seth Rogen, <laughs> well, like right in But I did that not range. finish
2: the new Christmas movie with Ryan Reynolds, the new one on Apple. Didn't. Couldn't finish that one. I didn't so it's finish not it That's It's not because Ryan Saturday. Reynolds,
1: isn't it? Though, right, Saturday? No, I like
3: and Ryan Reynolds. And there we go. <laughs> Haley's gonna.
0: Haley just wants Put to up. burn, burn and scorch <laughs> things. Just an extra. I like this this Emmy category or this Emmy story. Just letting us all triangulate our tastes here. I like a lot. Um, I loved. I loved that that uh, this Scrooge take or whatever. I loved it. I didn't know it was a musical before I started, The New Christmas movie of Will Ferrell and Ronald. And I remember love the name
2: musicals, so I thought I would enjoy it, but...
0: Yeah. Oh,
1: God, he yeah. sings in it, too.
0: Oh, it's full-on. <laughs> it's a full-on musical. I loved it.
1: Things I'll never watch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No residuals from me, Ryan Reynolds.
3: <laughs> I love when Haley has like really hot, like hot takes on things like that. Generally, other people like. <laughs> oh, Haley has hot takes. That's for by sure. the way, uh, uh, Ryan like...
0: Reynolds sucks majorly.
1: <laughs> he, he's fine. He's got his gin. Like he doesn't need my residual money. It's all good.
0: <laughs> You're part of the 0.1 percent of the population that doesn't like Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> it's like very, Ashley very doesn't small. like Ryan
1: Reynolds either. Oh, we that's are. crazy.
0: You guys are nuts. No, we're not. We're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just like It a lot. But uh, it, speaking on the Emeralds, I had not talked about this at all. This, I love Barry. Uh, Barry is one of my favorite movies of all our uh, TV shows of the of this decade. I freaking love it. Um, I, I also love Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. But weirdly, mm-hmm. I do think it may not be its year. There's just too many other really killer things. And I think shows tend to have this trajectory problem where like – They start, either start high and end like sort of like they get forgotten over the years. If they get tons of praise at the beginning, it's really hard for them to maintain. Even if they maintain the quality, it's really hard for you to maintain the. The acclaim somehow—it's like it's a kind of like oh, you got you got yours in the first season. People loved you in the first season. We're not going to give you a claim this year. Um, and like other shows, like Breaking Bad or something, like start with no one giving it a claim, and then by the third or fourth season, it starts to build trajectory toward an ending. Yeah. You know. And I think that for whatever reason, Mrs. Maisel, I love the final season, but I heard almost no one talking about it um, mm-hmm. except for my really TV-loving friends. And if, if we haven't mentioned The Last of Us on this list, The Last of Us. Just one of the. I was the best gonna shows. say we
1: need to mention Pedro, don't we?
2: Yeah,
0: Oh that's right.
1: Yeah, we get residuals for mentioning Pedro. Yeah,
0: <laughs> someone's got to pick up the slack when Jay's not here. And Pedro, Pedro, Pedro. TM. Pedro, Pedro, Pedro. <laughs> he appears now. Uh, he's like he's like Beetlejuice.
1: Oh, I wish.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. Uh, Immediately following the public update of a three-year contract extension as Disney's CEO, uh, Bob Iger came out swinging against the actor strike, saying the workers have unrealistic expectations. Running his mouth some more, (laughs) Iger stated that with the drive to ensure Disney Plus had plenty of content, studios like Marvel and Pixar who released many different movies and TV shows, diluted the focus of their audiences, and adversely affected the output of those studios. Bold words, Bob. Do we agree?
1: So, Iger really got his contract renewed, and he was like, I'm going to go loose and just say whatever I want right now. Mm -hmm. So, these are two very different things. So, Um, the actor strike stuff, Sean Gunn, also had a really great take on Bob Iger's words, um, and he really ripped him a new one, and deservedly so. It was uh, tone-deaf, and it was unnecessary, and I don't know how much Bob Iger makes, but probably more than I'll ever make in my lifetime. And for him to take that elitist approach when people are... Like we said, it's not just stars asking for these changes. This affects actors who... Are just doing background work and that's what they can get right now and you know they're not at that point in their career and just I just hated to hear those words when he's been brought to Disney to write the ship that chapek really tried to sink, right? So definitely not on board with that. The streaming comments are interesting because they're not unlike conversations we've even had on probably all of our shows at some point or another. Um we talked on our show on Source Pages last year about there was really this deluge of content and it was kind of exhausting even just to keep up with it as a fan, much less be somebody who is doing a show about this content, uh. doing research for it, reading stuff, whatever we're doing, reacting to it, recording. And, um, it's been kind of nice to have this like breather of a year where we're not getting a show, a movie, a show, a movie, a show, a movie, a show, a movie all the time. I think though, back to my, Strike comments like COVID just really changed the landscape and uh-huh. Disney Plus was new right before COVID and they were trying to, like he said, fill this new service with content. So I I don't disagree necessarily with him. I don't know that I agree with the quality comments that he made. I, th- I think the quality has all been fine and good and I've enjoyed everything, but yeah, he really he really stepped in it this week. Do
0: you see the Clark Gregg thing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, somewhere in his comments, I, they, we didn't have it quoted here, but somewhere in his comments, he said something like, "You know, Marvel f- uh, finally got into the TV world where they hadn't really been, and it da 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 da." And Clark Gregg was like, "Um, <laughs> excuse <laughs> like, me." <laughs> yeah, he just
1: continued to like put his foot in his mouth, and it's like, yeah. "Dude, I mean, I, I I kind of understand what you're trying to say, but you're not coming about it." At all from the right direction, and mm-hmm. you just sound like an asshole mm-hmm. millionaire, billionaire CEO.
0: It ain't classy, it, it, his words aren't classy. It's very like not thankful for the work that's been done for his company and like the workers. Yeah, sometimes when like CEOs like make this, like
3: even billionaires, like we just said, like they make these big comments. Like, yes, a lot of us fans, we are like screaming children a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean you, as the parent, get to scream back at us. Like, that doesn't make you look like you're the person in charge right now. And I loved Sean Gunn's response. It was like, back in the 80s, CEOs like you made 30 times what the lowest worker makes. Now, You make 400 times what the lowest worker makes. And of course, Sean Gunn is not the lowest paid person on any production that he's been on. But he's speaking on behalf of those lowest wage workers in these projects. And for like Bob Iger, who's Scrooge McDuck level rich, like Mm -hmm. to make this kind of a comment. It's like, dude, it does like the optics on this is just bad Like like, there's no way around it. And you come out looking like the bad guy, whether you truly are like the only, you know, whether you are the root of all evil in this situation or not, it makes you look like it. And that's just like, that's a bad PR move on top of already bad PR because of the actor's strike and the writer's strike. It's like, you didn't help yourself at all. Not even in a selfish way. Did you help yourself? You actually like, you get you. You had a black eye, and then you punched yourself in the other eye.
1: <laughs> well, and bad PR for Disney in general. Like Disney's had kind of a rough go of it lately in the public eye for all kinds of reasons. Their parks mm-hmm. aren't doing well. Um, there's there's been all the you know the legal stuff that went down in Florida. I mean, it's just been sort of constant with them. And so for him, when there's maybe low. Um, consumer confidence in this brand to step out and say this stuff like where was your PR person as jay would say who was in the room saying I don't know if you should say that Bob
0: <laughs> yeah well and, and the interesting thing is like his comments because of the current climate about labor and the current trends in labor like you just don't have the power and say he's he's saying it like these are unrealistic demands right like that's just negotiation. Like, that's what he should say to the people in the room with mm-hmm. him when he's arguing with them. But to say it in the public, you are giving them more power. Like, you are, you are looking like the asshole they're saying you are. And yeah. it just, yeah, it just, you, you have no power because they do. They have the public behind them. And it's just, yeah, we're behind them. So, start listening to them.
3: If his goal was to completely sway public opinion towards the actors and the writers, he accomplished it. Yeah, maybe he's a double agent. <laughs> oh my god, this is actually a plot to secret invasion. That's
0: where this, <laughs> is, <going. laughs> this is just a viral marketing campaign.
1: Either is just a scroll. Let's just say. It.
0: <laughs> yeah, he he removes his masks and he's like, he takes out a picket sign and he's a scroll underneath. He is Fran Drescher. He's it's- <laughs>
2: It's the plot to a Scooby Doo
0: episode we didn't know we needed.
3: Bob Iger, what are you doing here? Oh, you damn actors and writers, I'll get you.
0: <laughs> this is this is a little uh, me, me and my girlfriend had just made, we saw some episode. We had joked about her being like Fran Drescher. And then we saw an episode of The Nanny. And it had so many similarities to things she does like that. <laughs> and it could have just been that one episode, but like so many little things that Fran Drescher did. I was like, that is absolutely you. That that's you. You do that. That. Th-. And we were like laughing about it. And then the next day we found out the SAG, uh, you know, strike happened and we see her as president. And she was like, this is so empowering. Like, it was, like it was just talking about how invested, you know, it, it, how similar to Fran Drescher. And then it was like, Oh, she's she's a baller now. She's president of SAG After. That's awesome. the nanny. the nanny. I love
1: that show.
0: Me too. It's very good. It's very good. Been kind of streaming it lately <laughs> in the background. Uh, up next Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 was on fire during its five day opening weekend, raking in a global $235 million. Both Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny and. Elemental have crossed $300 million globally while Insidious, the red door currently sits at $122.6 million globally with Barbenheimer opening this weekend. What do we think is going to happen to the current slate of films?
1: I think we're going to have Oppenheimer, Barbie, dead reckoning part one, and then everybody else. I saw dead reckoning part one twice in the, three days and so Mm. i contributed to that global because it is such a good movie Um, and i think it just continues to affirm what we probably already know that tom cruise just really knows how to make a damn good movie and so Mm. i suggest everybody go see it but i do think it's interesting we're seeing these numbers creep up here kind of towards the end of the summer um people are maybe getting finished with their vacations maybe they're home a little more they're getting ready to go back to school. The kids are going back to school. It's kind of an interesting time. I'm going to be fascinated to see how Barbenheimer like totally flips the table on everybody. And mm-hmm. I can't wait to see the numbers because I think they're going to be crazy. I've got my tickets for both already. And I know the pre-sales have been just out of, out of this world. So I'm, um,
2: home with the kids this week. My uh, husband is traveling and I told him, well, I'm trying to convince him to take off a day of work to watch the kids so I can go see He's not really up for it,
3: though. <laughs> I, I I think it was a few weeks back. Maybe it was last week. But Jay and, uh, and and the crew were just like talking about how the phenomenon of Barbenheimer is kind of the story of this summer of movies. Yeah, and it's like mm-hmm. there have been there have been other good movies, and some movies haven't done really well at the box office. You know, Indiana Jones, Flash, you know, those. But but really, the the bright shining beam of hope has been mm-hmm. this phenomenon. And I lo- I love when there is like a societal underswell behind <laughs> these movies where it's like oh my gosh are you going to go see Barbie hell yeah are you going to go see Oppenheimer hell yeah could they be two more different movies no like there are there's never been two more different movies to debut on the the same night and we're all like weirdly here for it and yeah. that to me that has been the story of the summer and it's been so much fun to watch the simultaneous anticipation for the films and i, I just I, I feel like i need to mention this from a, a few weeks back when i was on we talked about elemental we were talking about oh it's, it's not doing great at the box office it has really turned around it has gotten hotter as like Haley said it's gotten hotter as the summer has gone on and i would imagine a lot of families are back from doing whatever trip they did they see elemental my family was one of them. We finally went and saw Elemental. The quick review from my five and six year old was that Water Boy and Fire Girl were a lot of fun. <laughs> and, the, like, honestly, as adults, it was an incredibly like heartwarming family story. My wife cried yeah. three times in the entire movie. <laughs> I cried once and it's because dad stuff just gets me now. Like <laughs> no matter what any dad stuff, it gets me elemental was a lot of fun, but I'm going to go see dead reckoning because Haley has been like waving the banner for it hardcore. Yeah. So, and I don't really even it's like really Tom good. Cruise movies, but I'll go see yeah. dead reckoning. Cause my friend Haley recommended it.
2: When it comes to the Mission Impossibles, I'm the type of person that I need to see the everything that comes before it. When it comes to video games, that's why I haven't played a lot of video games. And I haven't seen the Mission Impossible. So I'm like, I have to watch all of these movies before I can go see. And every <laughs> single time a new Mission Impossible, I'm like, oh, I've got to watch the old ones first.
1: Or you can just listen to Matt and Scotty and I break them down on Binger's a <laughs> I might just have to do that.
0: The weird thing is, I recommend them all. They're they're fun to watch and they're great. There are little through lines, but like Every one of them is so separate from the others. Like you really could just go know, sit down. It Doesn't down. matter though. It's like a thing. It. It's like I'm an the internal same way.
2: thing.
1: I've got
0: I'm it. The if same it has way. the same title.
1: Totally. I gotta see them all.
0: Totally same. Matt way. was trying to give you a way out,
3: and you're like, "No, I'm I know, locked I know. in." <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you could just start with Rogue Nation, Sarah Day. I think if you do Rogue Nation, Fallout, and then Dead Reckoning, you, you'd be fine. Rogue. Na-
2: I might have seen that one in theater because there was one time I went with a group of people, and that was the movie they chose,
1: so I was stuck. Um, and I think it might have been that one. I, I'm really looking forward to part two already. Like this movie was <laughs> oh, with so part good. one.
3: <laughs> Haley, do you know is this supposed to like end the Mission Impossible franchise, or
1: like, it's the end for Tom Cruise in the franchise? Mm. In quotes, or like the end
3: until like he's he's eighty and he needs like a dial of destiny return kind of thing. <laughs> well, yeah. When we talked yeah, about yeah. that
1: on our our review of Dead Reckoning, I was like, do I want Mission Impossible without Tom Cruise? I don't know that I do.
3: Do, does mm. it, is it even worth it to do Mission Impossible without Tom Cruise?
1: Nobody, nobody else is Tom Cruise, you know? He's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> nobody else is jumping off of a motorcycle, like, off a cliff.
0: <laughs> There's certain iconic things that you just can't do without certain people, um, which we will talk about one of those in the uh, lightning round here in a minute. Uh, but but I, I thought it was interesting what you were saying about r- uh, Ryan, I think, about Elemental and how it's building steam. Kids movies are just a different animal, totally different. Kids aren't going to because it's opening weekend. Like they, they don't, don't care that it's a, like I'm sure I'm sure there's kids that see a commercial and go, "Hey, that movie that I've been waiting on is out." But like most of the time it's about how many kids go to see it as a group. It's like families when you can organize your time right and all that stuff. That's when those movies hit. Uh we we had some holiday weekends and stuff and like those those are the weekends were like you get the family out to go see a movie and you get, you pay the $90 to take four people to a movie or (laughs) whatever. Yeah. I was reading adult review, adults
3: reviewing elemental and uh, you know, uh, like um, uh, Ruby Gilman, teenage uh, Kraken is in our local theater this week. Mm. All these like kind of kids movies are coming out and it was adults talking about like, Oh, it's not really performing at the box office the way we would like. It's like as a, as a dad, as a parent, as someone who's going to take a family to a movie, I do not care like mm-hmm. if my mm-hmm. kids enjoy it and they like have a good experience at the theater that's what I care about and I get it studios have to care about different stuff but I think critics often bring like unrealistic expectations to these movies like is it a good family movie that my kids enjoy fantastic like I saw one review it was like it's really not a return to form to the classic Pixar we're used to I'm like Dude, I guarantee you don't have kids like um, yeah. it was it, but th- like, honestly, everything I cared about as a parent, everything my kids cared about with the movies they enjoy. The only movie they've talked more highly about this year has been Super Mario and Super Mario was like a mm-hmm. phenomenon. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah,
2: I'm like getting tired of critics because and I'm so well, I'm thankful for social media in the sense that we can get real um, opinions from Real fans. And I've said this before about like the Marvel critics um, that do they really understand what Marvel is doing and are they into it like we are? And like what, and especially like test audience or like, yeah, I guess not test audiences, but um, they don't understand all of the, you know, hot, wet continuity that <laughs> we as fans do. Um, and the same thing with the kids' movies. They don't understand what us as parents are looking for in these films if they're not a parent.
3: Mm-hmm. Sarah Day, can you explain to me what hot, wet, whatever that was um, is?
2: I'm gonna let Matt explain that actually, I, I think it's a term he coined. I'm a little,
3: I'm a little afraid to Google it. Is why I want someone to explain it's it to not me. Not Googleable. I
1: uh, don't think it's. Google-able.
3: I wonder if it's Googleable. I wonder if you type. I need hot a trusted friend Eddie. and confidant to explain it you to me. Go so
1: incognito <laughs> on that one, Matt. So my security search
0: doesn't go crazy. <laughs> Uh yeah no no nothing uh nothing came up. No it was it was a quote. It's, thank you Sarah Day for quoting. Uh yeah that was a quote from like I think literally the first MCU cast. I think it was like our first ever MCU cast or it's like when our, one of our first three. So like 9 years ago uh I was just it was just a joke. It was a dirty joke. I was like yeah, I just love deep continuity. I just love deep hot, <laughs> wet continuity. And like, and so for nine years we've been saying, you just, it's that hot, wet continuity, man. It's that oh, deep, hot, wet continuity. Gosh.
1: It's the so cornerstone <laughs> of our network.
0: Hot, <laughs> wet continuity. Wow. And sometimes there are random other adjectives thrown in there too <laughs> that make it even worse. Uh, <laughs> but I have awesome. to say,
1: Ree <laughs> Barbenheimer, I was working with a consultant at or last week for my job and um, he and I talk about movies all the time and I was like, are you going to see Barbenheimer? And he was like, what the hell are you talking about? I was like, Barbie and Oppenheimer. And he's like, oh, I'm gonna go see Oppenheimer, but I don't think we're interested in Barbie. I'm like, have you not seen the culture he's like, what are you talking? so i sent him a ton of memes and pictures and i sent him the trailer because he's like i don't want to see a barbie movie and i'm like no no dude this is like barbie has an existential crisis you have to go see this movie and so i sent home all that stuff and he's like okay we're gonna go see it And i'm like yes i would like a residual for that please
0: I, okay <laughs> red string theory Barbie starts her existential crisis by watching Oppenheimer. (laughs)
3: It's
0: a a plot point in the movie, right? It would be so amazing if they did a reshoot to make that part of the thing. Like that would be like, that would, that would be be a real next level. uh...
1: (laughs) Deep hot white continuity.
3: It's uh, Margot Robbie and Cillian Murphy sitting next to each other. uh, Just like watching Oppenheimer and Barbie slowly (laughs) breaks down.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I love that. That's good stuff. Uh, okay, up next in our, uh, in our show here, we have the Spotify Poll of the Week. This week we asked uh, another question instead of a poll, exactly. Uh, what character do you most want to see in Deadpool that hasn't been announced? Uh, we got a bunch of Mephistos, so that's mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, that's to be expected. I mean, he's confirmed, um, obviously. Where's Jeff when you meet him? Absolutely. Yeah, where, 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 where's Jeff? He just drops in from the ceiling. Uh, <laughs> he, he's he's also like uh, Beetlejuice, but you have to say Mephisto three times. Oh,
1: Jeff was one of the answers, by the way. I didn't put it on there.
0: <laughs> oh, Jeff was one of the answers? That's great. Yeah. That's great. Uh, we got Tobey Maguire. Just Tobey Maguire, not even the Spider-Man. Just Tobey Maguire was was listed. I like, like that. angry
1: at the paparazzi Tobey Maguire.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: That would be funny, actually. I would find
0: that amusing. Yeah. Oh, that would be real good. Uh, Impossible Man would be a funny spinoff. Yeah. Uh, Spin on the movie. Ashley O says. That would be really funny because impossible
3: man is this like impish uh fourth wall breaking oh like reality rearranging villain he's normally fights or he's comes into conflict with the fantastic four but he just feels (laughs) like the most deadpool of deadpool characters and current you know with this current iteration of what deadpool has become you know this who knows? You know, re- reality isn't reality, kind of thing. Impossible man would be really smart. Whoever whoever put that answer in knew they had a great answer.
0: So kudos yeah. to, to to them. Absolutely, I like his it. fourth wall breaking. Another very smart fellow named Jay Scoots, uh, Jay Sky Sinclair, I'm pretty sure, said uh, She Hulk, uh, which is another fourth wall breaking character. Yeah. Uh, and I I think that's that could be absolutely likely. Hilarious. and I totally see. The version of She Hulk that we just got interacting with Deadpool in some really funny ways, like you know she's always turning to camera and talking. It would just be yep. amazing, and and so is Deadpool. Be amazing to see that interaction of them being both doing that and then be like, wait, you heard that? Wait, what, what, <laughs> yeah. what's going on? Who are here? you
1: talking to? Who are you yeah.
0: talking to? <laughs> <laughs> be awesome. Be really awesome. Uh, we also got someone said Rogue. That's Chrissy said Rogue
1: always a classic
0: always yep. a classic great as long as she's in the x-men animated
3: attire that's like mm. that has to be a must mm. if we're gonna do Wolverine in the yellow suit you gotta like, if you're gonna include an x men do it in the 92 what if
1: it was just animated rogue like oh my an
3: gosh. oh yeah that's That'd another thing fun. I've heard of that. I was like, well, hey, why do they have to be live action? Why can't yeah. we just mm-hmm. put an yeah, animated, man. like, go old school Disney, like, Mary Poppins style? That's Who Killed oh, Roger yes. Rabbit,
1: this shit. Right, Who right. Killed Roger
3: Rabbit, which
0: we just got that a little bit in uh, Spider-Verse. Yeah. Right. So, like, right. they're doing it. The multiverse is happening, and some of it's in it. A- and in a Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, they go through an animated mm-hmm. universe. Like, they're doing this, like, animation can mix. And they're trying it. They're, they're sort of dipping the toe in the ink there i like it what's old is new this is
2: gonna be a really fun movie i can't wait for it
0: yeah me too there's so many people
3: are announced it's gonna be great i had referenced in uh one of the one of the chats that Haley and i are part of like is there any chance deadpool 3 is going to be bad and it was like maybe like a 0.1 percent but like this movie's gonna be so much crazy fun it probably <laughs>
1: There's always a chance. Right, right.
3: <laughs> but it's just like with the amount of I mean, with the amount of care and the amount of like anticipation and all the hype around it, I like I just don't see this yeah. movie failing.
0: The only thing that could make it fail and I think like I'm kind of glad I'm not glad about the actor strike exactly, but for Deadpool's sake, I'm glad for the actor strike because they were still filming. and It was a big worry because they were still filming while the writer strike had in had started, but the actor strike hadn't started. So they were doing things on set, and because Ryan Reynolds is one of the writers of the film, he wasn't allowed to improvise. Right, which like that movie is so improvisational. Uh, the whole the whole way they make those movies. So I'm. I Like maybe the writer and actor strike happening is like allowing the movie to stay quality. I'm, I was a little worried there for a minute when it was just a writer strike and they, they were just like not going to have the same visceral feeling to the dialogue and stuff. Uh, last one we have is Channing Tatum's Gambit says yes! Jeremy Yes. would be great. That would be great. Very much like the Nicolas Cage Superman. Um, yeah. Uh, someone we never got uh, actually happening, uh, but would be cool. That'd be so much fun, and and like Channing Tatum was attached to that character for
3: so long that I'm just like, that would be just fun to see become like and do it like they did John Krasinski in Multiverse of Madness, like make it a five like a five minute nonsense thing and then kill him off and move on. Like it's yeah, people that know will know, and people that don't know will be like, what is Channing Tatum doing here? And uh, (laughs) it it'll be fun. It'd be hey guys, it'll just be a fun movie thing. And that fun movie fun. thing is, What's is fun? A fun. Well, you know, it can't just be Haley. It would be, it would be fun. That's what we, that's what we need in Deadpool three, because you know, it's not gonna, not gonna win an Oscar. Let's, you know, let's relax.
0: And Deadpool, much like she Hulk in the same vein, like uh, Deadpool is a place where you can just have fun. Yeah. Me and a, uh, I do the star Trek universe podcast as well. And we were just talking about this week. Uh, they did a star Trek. Sorry. My, <laughs> my tip of the cap to star Trek every week on this show. Um, <laughs> they they did an episode that was just fun it was funny it was it was it was it was just a silly episode and i could not Like, I can't get into it. Like, I'm questioning all the jokes. Like, someone makes a joke. There's a joke on screen. And I'm like, hmm, but would that character think that? I don't know. Because of this previous episode, would Spock say that? I don't know. Because Vulcans are really this way. And I'm, like, overthinking it. And I can't just let it it be fun. Yeah. But Deadpool and She-Hulk have created these little pockets uh, for themselves where, like, I mean, literally, uh, spoiler alert for She-Hulk, skip forward 30 seconds if you don't want to know how She-Hulk ends. But literally, that show, the plot of the show didn't matter. They decided in the last episode to just rewrite it because the character said so? Like, that's insane. So, (laughs) like, she can do whatever she wants, and Deadpool's in that same cool space. Much like She-Hulk, Deadpool will probably get some of this,
3: you know, critique of like, well, it doesn't feel like a comic book. I'm like, actually, it's like the most comic book ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, She-Hulk was the most comic booky comic book show I've ever seen. And I have a feeling oh, yeah. Deadpool is going to feel like that. If they do Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe,
0: it will be no holds barred awesome. It yeah. will be incredible. Absolutely. But I, I agree completely. And I it, somehow... Ryan Reynolds has created this character that like could do that and still be likable because uh, there's a lot of characters in that Marvel universe that I like, but you could even see like a buddy, a buddy movie where he's hanging out with Wolverine the whole time, murdering people. And then at the end he could kill Wolverine and somehow it'd still be okay. You'd still like Deadpool. He's just so likable and they've created this likable character. He can kill anyone and you'd still be like, all right, I see why he would do that. Haley, did you hear that?
3: (laughs) Ryan Reynolds is so likable. He can do anything and he's still likable. As you say. (laughs) Creative subjective.
2: Do you think that we'll see Kang in this movie?
3: Ooh, that's a good one. I like that. If we do, I don't. I, I wouldn't want it to be for long. Like, I, I think they could do like a cool little like one-off joke with him, and maybe to connect him to the bigger MCU. But like, I don't know. Who knows what Kang will be at the at that point in the MCU?
2: Yeah, I just can't mm-hmm. wait to see how, what the what the connecting piece is going yeah. to be to actually bring him over to the MCU.
0: Yeah. Well, clearly he's just. We saw at the end of The Last Deadpool that he has the ability to just jump around from universe to universe, time travel, all those things, literally kill Ryan Reynolds. Like, the, the whole thing just feels uh, – you're welcome, Haley. Uh The whole thing just feels – I zoned
1: out. What are you guys talking about?
0: <laughs> <laughs> just more Ryan Reynolds talk. That Don't was worry. only
1: partially a lie. I'm not going to –
0: all right, well, since we're boring 25% of the hosts of the show, we should move on. Uh,
1: <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's been a long day.
0: <laughs> me too, man, me too. We uh, move on to the lightning round where uh, we take some of the stories that didn't make our main topics and just throw them out there. Short, everybody gets to claim the story. By buzzing in with their name, and they get to talk about that story. Uh, and so, uh, only one response to each story. And then, if uh, if you'd like to say something, you only get one rebuttal per lightning round. So, save your just rebuttal one. for the one you really care about. Just one, everybody. All right. Um, a
2: question. <laughs> Can yes. I just say SD instead of Sarah Day?
0: Y- yes. Y- yes, absolutely. It's much shorter. We-
2: and you guys have short names.
0: <laughs> I love that you raised Straight your hand. It's true. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty great.
2: I'm a good student.
0: <laughs> I didn't even see the raised hand, so thank you, whoever called it out. <laughs> uh, up first in the lightning round, Anthony Kerrigan, fresh off an Emmy nomination for his performance in Body as Noho Hank, is joining the cast of Superman Legacy as Metamorpho Matt. I get to participate. I just love Anthony Kerrigan, and I will like watch anything he does. He's freaking awesome, um, even in Gotham, which is incredibly mixed. Where I where I first met him, uh, in Gotham, he was like such a shining light in that show as Zaz. Um, he's he's great, and now he's entering another DC character here with uh, Metamorpho, which I know nothing about Metamorpho, but like if uh, good old uh, Anthony Kerrigan is playing him, I think he'll he he just Elevates every character I've seen him play. He's great. Up next, the first trailer for Wonka has dropped. The prequel film, which stars Timothy Chalamet as an emerging Willy Wonka, is set to theaters. Set to hit theaters rather on December fifteenth. Thursday Ryan, oh, go go for it, Saturday.
2: So when I first heard this news, I was like, another Willy Wonka movie. And the only reason why I watched the trailer in the first place was for Timothy Chalamet. And then I realized it's a prequel to the Willy Wonka story that we've seen. Um, So I was like, okay, that's an interesting take. However, I think Timothy Chalamet, from what I saw in the trailer, let me down a little bit.
0: I'm right there with you. I will say a rebuttal to this one because man, did I hate this trailer. And it's all, it's, it's all the Timothy Chalamet of it all. Like the, I, I'm interested in the world. I'm interested in the, the whole story could be interesting to me. Like it looks well, uh, directed. It looks well imagined. I, I really liked, uh, Hugh Grant as an Oompa Loompa. Like that, that all got hit me just right. But everything Timothy Chalamet said felt like, a high school performance of Willy Wonka. It like yes. it's something it really <laughs> did. I hated it so much. Every like it felt he feels too young and not at all on character.
2: It felt like he was overacting. It's it did. Did. It kind of it just Timothy
3: Chalamet though.
2: Chalamella Bing-Bong. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get that from him in Dune.
0: Oh, well. Well. I feel like in Dune there is some overacting, but it's sort of that Shakespearean overacting. Where mm. it's like, it's like fitting situation when there's like a sandworm coming at you and you're like, whoo, like, like you're getting like revved up for it or whatever. I don't know. There's like armies of, I don't know. What's a, what's the thing on Dune, Arrakis or something? I don't know. Uh, like, <laughs> there's just armies everywhere. And like, there's things that sort of overacting. Like there's, there's, it's like Shakespearean with the fall of houses and all that stuff. It just, it makes sense. In Willy Wonka, it felt, it dis- it feels terrible. I hate this trailer. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I liked him in Dune, and I liked him in Don't Look Up, um, and this just felt way off from those two performances.
3: At the risk of being torn apart by this pack of wolves, I will use my rebuttal here. <laughs> <laughs> so, here here's, here's less about the trailer and more about what this movie could do. I was, similar to Sarah Day's uh, response, I was like, oh, another Wonka thing? But understanding this is a prequel of how we get to the weird whimsical guy at the end how we get to the johnny depp gene wilder like gene wilder will kind of always be wonka for me oh, I, don't, for I, didn't, sure. I didn't really even like the the johnny depp wonka because that was mm-hmm. like that felt more like hey tim burton wants to do a weird thing and so yeah this here's the few things that I think this movie could potentially have going for it. It's telling the story of how Wonka became Wonka. And that to me is like, okay, he doesn't feel like Wonka in the trailer. Well, we're telling the story of how he gets there. So maybe Timothy Chalamet as a, incredibly great young actor can tell that story in a convincing way and he doesn't replace gene wilder as the you know quintessential wonka but he can at least fill that gap in our understanding of how the character got there i also think that the the cast the rest of the cast is so stacked with names that you know are going to put in good performances like a Hugh Grant, like a Rowan Atkinson, Olivia Coleman. that's in mm-hmm. Olivia Coleman's in everything now. And mm-hmm. then uh, Keegan-Michael Key, like I'm always here for a Keegan-Michael Key uh, performance. I think this could be good if it is a digging into the mysterious origin of Wonka and then showing us how we got there, not trying to just recreate Wilder's Wonka or God forbid Depp's Wonka. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of
0: the things that I have the biggest problem about with it is this like weird, like he just seems too optimistic or something. And I get it's like a young upstart. I'm going to be a chocolatier. But like Willy Wonka is kind, is a dark character. And like, I don't feel any of that. I always talk about it with uh, the difference between David Tennant and Matt Smith. People can Mm. come for me if they want to. But David Tennant's Doctor Who is like amazing and fantastical but there's this like darkness behind his eyes like you feel like he could murder you you know what i mean (laughs) there's like but then matt smith comes up and he's like a puppy dog like he's still fantastical and fun but there's no murder behind his eyes and i need a little murder behind the eyes of doctor (laughs) who i feel the same way with willy wonka um gene wilder's performance is so layered in that like you really don't know are those kids dead like what's going on <laughs> like this feels like a it's like a chocolate house of horror oh they're a thousand percent yeah. dead it's, it's a house of wax with chocolate <laughs> yeah it's 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 dark and it's weird and in the end when he when he tells charlie bucket or whatever that he can't he oh no you cheated too you can't become like there's this like everyone failed me no one lived up to the ideals that i expected to be able to take my chocolate house like he has this this pessimism for society that's like all there and this looks like the greatest showman to me like it looks like the greatest showman but for like chocolate like it doesn't feel like i don't know yeah. maybe that'll be there by the end like i said maybe he becomes that sort of dark it kind and it also this also has drips of like Han Ooh. Solo to me. Like I don't want to know I don't want the r- mystery of what happened to create Wonka revealed. Like it's one of those things too. I don't so know. So anyway. there's
2: this girl in the trailer and it's been a while since I've seen the Willy Wonka, but I don't remember this character in that movie. So maybe mm-hmm. something happens to her to turn him from this optimistic to this dark.
0: Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Character. Very possible.
2: Um, I just have to say, when you were talking about Matt Smith going from Tenet to Matt Smith and having Matt Smith be this puppy dog, um, and I haven't seen The Crown, but so for me, I saw Matt Smith go from Doctor Who to um, the House of Dragons
0: yeah. oh. character,
2: so talk about a transition.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a, Damon Targaryen that's what, is oh so It goodness. almost makes me mad because he, I, he had none of that as Doctor Who to me, and like- he is so dark in, in, yeah. as Damon, and I'm like, I, where was that? Where was that thing? Irredeemable bastard.
3: <laughs>
2: just, sorry yep. to go off on a tangent.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I, I lured you all in by bringing up the Doctor Who. I I made you use <laughs> your rebuttals right now. Uh, sorry about that. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, up next, we have uh, several Hollywood projects have officially stopped production due to the sag after strike, including Deadpool 3, Mission Impossible 8, Venom 3, and Gladiator 2. Well, I'm sad about it. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here I first. People mad is sad about it. <laughs> it's really, I'm, 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 it's a bummer that all four of those projects have been halted. Uh, I was excited about everything.
3: Not a rebuttal, small add-on. I don't need <laughs> Gladiator Two. Mm. I just, I just want mm. Gladiator to be Gladiator and Ridley Scott stop. Agreed. <laughs> mm.
2: Also, not a rebuttal, just an add-on. Um, oh, as a new, we're getting
1: caveats now. This is getting interesting.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Now they're you know, um, justifying your behavior. It's no longer just like I'm no going to do it anyway.
3: It's
1: an add-on. <laughs>
0: we're beyond thunderdome.
3: There's no rules anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um,
2: as a new Harry Potter podcast that started because the show was announced, um, it's kind of like, oh, well, okay, um, and I'm on board for both strikes. Um, but it's just kind of funny. Like we started this podcast in order to talk about the upcoming show and we are doing a reread. So we have plenty of time to read all the books before the show comes
0: out. Yeah. That that whole thing about starting a podcast, we started bingers assemble to cover movies and then COVID hit
2: and then
0: then we started multiverse (laughs) news to talk about the news of the week and the strike hit immediately. And I was like, all right, well, I guess this is what we're talking about for the next, however long this lasts. Um, and beyond. We'll be talking about the effects. For years, we're going to talk about the strike and how like, not only is it a big deal and it's happening, but like when it ends, we're all going to talk about how would this show have been if the strike hadn't happened Mm. and this writer didn't leave or this thing didn't happen or this, that felt rushed. Oh, why? I bet it was the strike. Like this is going to be like a four-year thing like where everything's going to be, all the productions kind of finish up and they were kind of half done before, half done after. It's always weird. Well,
2: and we still haven't even like Fully recovered from the ramifications of COVID.
0: Oh, for sure. Definitely. Okay. Getting back to the lightning round of the lightning. Lightning of the lightning round. The Marvel actor, Amon Valani, will co-write the new comic titled Miss Marvel, The New Mutant, alongside Miss Marvel series writer, Sabir Pirzada. Ryan, uh,
3: there is... So much I love about this announcement. Uh, Iman Valani is one of the most endearing people in like <laughs> media that I'm consuming right now. That part in the Marvels trailer where she's like, oh my God, and the flurkin eats the guys gets me every time. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that she is mirroring the character she's playing in comics mm. is mm-hmm. intriguing to me, and I think she has the right amount of charm to do it. Paul Dano did this recently with a Joker, uh, with a Joker issue, and that issue was well received. And Paul Dano kind of put his his heart and soul into that. And I have a feeling Iman Vellani is going to do the same thing with Miss Marvel. Recently in Marvel Comics, uh, Kamala Khan was was killed at, at the like end of a Spider-Man issue. It was kind of out of nowhere, and there was not really great reception for it. But it opened up this possibility that they're going to bring her back as a mutant, not uh, as an inhuman, which is what she's been recently. Um, that doesn't matter. Most people listening don't really care about the nuance to that.
0: Oh, I would say that a lot of people care about
3: that. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Um, a lot of people with time on their hands don't care about that. And the comic, the comic looks fantastic. The, the supporting cast around Iman Balani is going to definitely keep her um keep her writing tight and the story's gonna be really well told uh sabir uh just got off doing some miss marvel stuff in a dark web crossover fantastic the two artists have been working on like carnage stuff and miss marvel stuff and star wars it's gonna be really great and the covers are gonna be by one of the co-creators of miles morales sarah pakelli sarah pakelli is a absolute industry pro so this is Series has me excited for all the right reasons, and uh, yeah, all the comic bros are probably going to hate it, but it's going to be a fun comic.
1: Haley mm-hmm. rebuttal. Um, so I love this for Iman. She's living her best life, right? She's been a Ms. Marvel fan for a really long time. However, that can be when you're 17 years old or however old she is. But to be kind of a devil's advocate for this, I kind of don't want to see a ton of actors starting to write and potentially take away any kind of um recognition for current and future comic book or just writers in general because it's kind of like matt you know i have talked about this with podcasts like yeah we do this podcast and it's great but then freaking jenna fisher and um angela kinsey start the office ladies podcast well how can a just normal person podcast Mm -hmm. compete with that and i that's kind of what this makes me think of a little bit iman is like a special case because she's you know she's just like very involved she reads comics she's very knowledgeable about comics and all that stuff um but i i I would worry a little bit about that
0: I, i would say it's a very different medium and it is the audience for comics is so much smaller than the audience for the movies and the tv shows and I would say the fact that she's not actually writing it, she's writing it with uh, Sabir sure. Brzata. Yeah, it, I I would probably say that this is like n- no no offense to the project. I'm sure it'll be wonderful. I'm sure she will have her input. But to me, it sounds like a stunt. It's just like, hey, you know that Miss Marvel character, the the actress everyone's loving, like. Hey, she's writing this thing. Don't you know? Did you know what comics are? Like, hey, right. hey, 12 hey, year olds that like have only mm-hmm. had their iPads. Do you know what comics are? You should come check this out. Like they're trying to like spur on because she's not she's probably gonna write. I don't know. Is it an issue? Is it a run? It, at the most, then, it'll be three or four issues. Right. And in the hopes yeah. that people will continue reading it when other creators, it, it, it's happened a lot. They've done a lot of that lately, like comedians coming and writing like a couple of uh, books. Uh, Kevin Smith, obviously, is a big guy who like comes and writes a book here and there. And like those get big sales. And then the hope is it brings people in to the, the world of comics.
1: Yeah, I guess. I just, I, I know how um, taken advantage comic book writers can be as it is um you know they don't get a lot of credit for like thor love and thunder you know it's not like jason aaron was consulted with every single day we know this because he told ryan that on his podcast he did tell me that (laughs) and so (laughs) it's kind of like i just you know what i mean i'm just trying to like protect artists who are trying to do their thing and not let it be another celeb takeover kind of a thing i guess i don't know i'm
3: I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. That it's it's, to, it's totally like, especially with established characters, it's different because, like, obviously, Iman Vellani didn't create Kamala Khan, didn't create uh, Miss Marvel. Um, I, I do think like there are some cool examples of celebrities putting their weight and their their credibility behind books outside of established characters like there's a whole thing uh berserker is a fantastically violent comic and keanu reeves is a co-creator of the character and it's like an incredible uh, thing so it can be done really well it can be done really poorly i have a feeling for like for like a month or two we're going to be talking about this and then it's going to go away and it, it'll be it'll be fun for a month or two um like matt said she's co she's co-writing um and uh this I think it could be an opportunity, um, but several creators said, "Like, you know, hey, this doesn't get actually get more people to read comics. It gets them to like rewatch MCU stuff. It gets them to <laughs> do that <laughs> kind of stuff. So, yeah, speaking up for for comic book fans, like this could be a cool little thing, but it's not going to like shake, you know, Miss Marvel's comics to its core. Um, and
2: mm-hmm. we also don't know." Um- what like maybe she wanted to be a comic writer, um, because she ha- is a super an, a, a Marvel super fan, and getting the role of Kamala Khan might have been her into to the comic mm. arena.
0: It's possible. The one thing I will push back with what Ryan said: the not shaking the comic to its core, like it's called the New Mutant, which like. It's, it's bringing it in line to... what This is something Marvel Comics has been doing a lot over the last, well, whatever, 18 years, 13 years, however... Since t- two thousand eight is bringing the Marvel Comics universe in line with what the movies are doing, and we saw in Miss Marvel that guitar lick from the X Men and and the mention of her mutation, and so they're 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 making her a mutant instead of a uh, in- inhuman. So they have to do that in the comic, and I think that's a big part of the story, even though we haven't really touched on it as much. You mentioned it earlier, um, um, but yeah, like this is that's a big part of this is like they're just trying to bring the comics in line. I think that's really interesting. They, they, and there, like, there's a lot
3: of nuance to this like thing, and 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 it's you know co- comic nerds are going to get really in the weeds about it, and uh, that'll be fun for them. Uh, <laughs> but like, it's not like it's the first time an MCU thing has affected a Marvel comic. Like, let's be honest. Uh, oh yeah, I, I go on Iron Man rants with a few friends fairly regularly. I, Tony Stark is Robert Downey Jr. now, and people mm. people that think they know Tony Stark pre Iron Man have never read an Iron Man comic. They weren't good, but, but making but making <laughs> Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. Now that's like, that's interesting. Uh, so it, it, it's been done really well. It's been done, you know, mishandled before, but we'll see. We got, we got to read the book first. We haven't even read the book yet. Um, maybe it'll be good. It, maybe, just maybe it'll be mm-hmm. enjoyable. I know that I scares some be. people to enjoy
0: something, but it could be fun. Definitely scares me. Up next, <laughs> Yellow Jacket star, Sarah Desjardins. Has joined the cast of the upcoming Tron: Ares.
1: Haley, I've never seen Yellow Jackets because it's <laughs> totally not something I think I would enjoy. But yay for you!
0: <laughs> I like. I don't know. A scorching yeah, yeah. hot take. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for Tron: Ares. Yes. I, I like both the other Tron movies, um, and I like that they're sort of continuing that universe. It's kind of fun. So
1: nobody else was jumping in, Ryan. <laughs>
0: You're right. I, I just don't know this person. I was hoping someone else yeah, did. I don't either. <laughs> okay, and la- into the lightning round here, last story. And I have a feeling this one might uh, stir, mm-hmm. up some, stir up some sentiment. Um, Oscar-winning actor and filmmaker Kenneth Branagh appears set to direct a live-action film based on the popular 1990s Disney animated series Gargoyles. Ryan, uh, Kenneth Brana is a great
3: actor and a great filmmaker, and Gargoyles is badass so Mm -hmm. why the heck not like yeah there's so much nostalgia for like 90s stuff now uh that i mean gargoyles is one of those disney animated series that if you're of a certain age and you're of a certain inclination you're gonna go check it out at least for curiosity's sake
1: They've also had a resurgence of gargoyles comics. I think recently. Yes. Ryan, do you know who's printing those?
3: Uh, I, uh. It's not Marvel. No, um, it's probably a smaller, uh, licensed yeah. uh, imprint, like maybe like a a Boom Studios or Dynamite. I don't. I don't know off the top of my head. But I don't either. I, but I, I, have, I have
1: seen the stuff. I I have, it, looks, a, it, looks, it looks fun.
3: Yeah. There, there's a lot of comics now that like they revamped like older animated 80s and 90s series. So it's like if you want a gargoyles. Comic in 2023, you can get that readily at your local comic book
0: store.
1: <laughs> yep,
0: it looks like it's Dynamite Comics. Dynamite, yeah, yep. But it, weirdly, it's Disney's gargoyles. Like it says Disney's yeah. gargoyles at the top, which is just strange yeah. because you'd think they would just make it a Marvel. I guess I guess if it's a Marvel imprint, it would be part of the universe. And it's probably that. just a licensing know. thing. Um yeah.
3: Marvel probably wasn't uh, itching to release some Gargoyle
0: comics. (laughs) I don't
3: see why.
2: I just saw a comment on the uh, chat. Can I say that real quick? Please, please. Um, This isn't a lightning round. It's a full thunderstorm by Karen (laughs) Thomas.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys. Yeah, this was the most, uh, the least, uh, you know, kept to the rules of a lightning round
2: that's what I'm here for.
0: <laughs> Even Haley broke him a bunch. Um <laughs> uh, like once, but okay. <laughs> Do not
1: soy my name, such
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well let's go around and uh see where everybody can be found online. Uh Sarah Day, first time here. Tell us where we can find you online. Tell us about your podcast.
2: Yep, well, you can find me on Instagram at captain.mcd, that's M-C-D-E-E, and then you can find, like, all of my other things. Um, I co-host Fantasy Heroes with Suhair Ali, and then I co-host Peeves Gap Fest with James and Meigs, and that is a Harry Potter chapter-by-chapter page-to-screen analysis um, in preparation for the new show.
0: Very cool. That's awesome. Uh, Ryan... Uh, tell us us about where they can find you online and what about your podcast
3: so uh, my podcast is Across the Bifrost the Mighty Thor podcast each and every week we dig into the weird and mighty and worthy world of the Mighty Thor and uh, we cover new comics old comics we have a a series going on right now creator spotlight on uh, 80s legend Walt Simonson so uh, that's been really well received people are liking that but we also cover MCU stuff through the lens of Thor so we're about to cover secret invasion but we're going to cover Thor's interaction with secret invasion and his history with the scrolls so we got a lot of cool stuff planned uh, there is a, I, I won't give an exact date for this but there is an impending Haley Hobbs appearance on the show where we will be talking about Ooh. frog Thor so oh, be uh, nice. be looking for that Haley and I have had that in the works for a long time and it will come to yes. fruition very soon
1: yay
0: awesome and Haley Hobbs
1: Yeah, you can find me at Source Pages with Brian V. Klein, where we read comics and novels as primers for all the geeky TV shows and movies you love. We are diving back into our Secret Wars comprehensive coverage while we have some time between properties right now. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Jay Scotty's show, Animation Deliberation on the Stranded Panda Network and Jay's show, Commute the Podcast. Check both of them out as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can find me at strandedpanda.com. There's lots of shows there. Mm -hmm. I'm on a lot of them. Check those out. Uh, and specifically, though, this week, I guess, Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. We're covering. Uh, we're we're gonna. Be, I'm gonna be up at 2 a.m. this morning to uh, watch and record uh, the Secret Invasion instant reaction. So, uh, you know, it's in the morning, uh, or I guess when you're listening to this, that episode will also be out. So check that out. Secret Invasion response and reaction first thing tomorrow, uh, and we'll be back soon on multiverse news. Peace.
1: You stay classy, multiverse.